making people know how awesome they are because too many people go through life and no one has said, you know what, you it, it matters that you're alive here and you're special. Nobody else in the whole world is like you. And people need to hear that. the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we share life and leadership skills with teens and their parents. I'm Jenna. And I'm Rachel, and today we're going to be talking about claiming our teens. I know sometimes when they're being extra, we don't want to claim them, and sometimes they don't want to claim us, but that's not the claim that we're talking about. Um, Our guest, Dia Irby, is going to explain this concept to us. Originally from Mississippi, Dia has lived in five southern states in 15 plus different homes, serving churches with her pastor husband, owning and operating a tea room, and now being a realtor in North Carolina. And the common thread throughout her life is building real community wherever she has lived, whether that be in the home with her children, eight children, as a matter of fact, in their churches and in her businesses. She knows the value of belonging and understands people need to be claimed chosen, loved, acknowledged, invested in, and made for greatness. Dia is a published author and TEDx speaker, a connector, communicator, and cultivator. She is on a mission to help leaders know how to claim their people. Welcome to the podcast, Dia. Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate the invitation, and Jenna, glad to have you here too. This is going to be a fun time talking about building community. And what's interesting is it works no matter where you are, because guess what? Every group is made up of people. Yes. And according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, belonging is one of the foundational needs that everyone has. Right. Yeah. They don't know they have it, but they have it. Right. Everyone is drawn to feel like they belong somewhere. Right. So, eight kids. Jenna, you thought our house was crazy. I mean, we've been pretty close. We had seven at one point. Yeah, we we have gotten up to seven when we were fostering. Um, Wow. So, did you you grow up in a big family yourself? Uh, I would say four would be considered a, a decent size. And I'm the oldest. Uh, but I wouldn't say large. And then my husband, bless his heart, it was just uh, two of them. He was 11 years older than his little brother. So he he takes credit for, he says, raising his little brother. So, But, you know, we just, we were open to whatever God would provide. And we thought we were done at four. And five years later, oh, <laughs> Three more came, and then we were done because seven is the perfect number. And then eight years later, we got blessed with the last one. So how many years apart from the oldest to the youngest? Uh, The oldest was getting married when I was pregnant with the youngest. So there's 23 years. Jenna's mouth is hanging open. (laughs) Yes, I got to get a mother of the bride maternity dress. (laughs) Those must be pretty hard to find. They were. I did search high and low, found something that would work. 
So what was the biggest challenge with raising so many kids? You know, I think it was, it like, and I call them batches. When I had the first batch, because we had one every other year for four kids, it, then they were all little. And they were all, you know, we could do things together little. And I could control a, a lot of the coming in influences. And then when the second batch came every other year for three the, the three musketeers then the other ones uh, the oldest one was 11 of the first batch and so by the time the third of the second batch came she was 15 so what you know the dynamics the second yeah. batch got to be in the car riding to all the activities or dropping off or carpooling of the other ones and bless number eight. See, we just give them numbers. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the third batch, number eight, she got to ride in her car seat when the middle batch did a, a paper route. Yeah. And then she was in the very back so we could have all the windows to throw. We were in a van and she, you know, we could throw the papers and she threw up just about every trip but you know you just got to work with it so i would say dealing with different stages all at the same time might be one of the biggest challenges yeah i've actually heard the throw up in the car in a paper out story before by another friend who lived in the mountains were you living in the mountains at the time it was a curvy road it wasn't the mountains it was in georgia but yeah and they, we were Delivering the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Yeah. So I've heard that story before from other parents who had kids when they had a paper. <sighs> well, you know, you do what you got to do. Actually, we were doing the uh, paper route for uh, raising money to pay for a trip to go visit the oldest sibling that was living in Brazil. Oh, wow. So it wasn't all so, bad. No, so you goal. do what you got to do. Yes. So do your kids have good memories of all of these crazy stories? Or are they like, remember when you dragged us out there in the car? <laughs> uh, you know, that is a really good question. There's some things that come up when we gather. Remember when? And there's this one hor horrible mom fail that they like to tell about Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 one of my son's loved cayenne pepper and we had this big bag that you one person every year and it couldn't be the same person in a row if they had something that was too big to really wrap we would put it in the big bag and nobody had anything big this year and my son who was 13 or 14 at the time loved cayenne pepper so i got a little shaker of cayenne pepper and how funny would it be if i wrapped it in a box and then wrapped that box in another box and then in another box and then in another box and it was big enough to go in the big bag right <laughs> not that is a mom fail because the anticipation of this fabulous gift oh, that no. he was gonna get was building and building and building. And then he gets down to this. Oh. <sighs> it was so embarrassing. <laughs> but you know, if that's the worst I did, 
I'll take it. I but I don't think it probably was. Every but mom has those kinds of stories. Mom fails. Yeah. Yes. Like you think your kid is fine. They're really not sick. And then uh, <laughs> throw up uh, everywhere or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Like I, one of my daughters, uh, she had a rash. And I thought, well, it's just a rash. Well, she she had um, uh, gotten bitten by a spider. And if we hadn't taken her to the doctor and then ended up in the hospital, she could have died. Yeah. See, people, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm worried about how this conversation is going. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to like, I don't want to take any advice from those two. They're horrible parents. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just part of life. You, you, you just do the best you can with what you got. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, um, here's the thing. Nobody's perfect. And if, if as a parent, maybe what, maybe that we can redeem these stories with a good that your kids know jenna you know your parents aren't perfect they know you're not perfect and if you put on an air that you are perfect and you don't make mistakes then then you've lost all credibility when you mess up and you will then you apologize yeah i apologize a lot don't i jenna (laughs) <laughs> and you confess it, you know. Look, She's I'm shaking sorry. Her head, yes, people can't see you shake your head. I. <laughs> what, what What do you think about that, Jenna? You want to put something in there about that? Wait, no. about what? Sorry, like about, exactly like... about parents. They are not perfect. It's well, okay. I You're mean... in a safe space. <laughs> I mean, like it's kind of like known like nobody's perfect so like you can't put people on a like pedestal and think that they're gonna do everything that you like hope that they're gonna do like that's not gonna happen exactly that's exactly right and so why should anybody pretend to be perfect right we strive to be better but going back to the idea of claim and building community and people belonging uh, it's not. It's something that whoever is wanting to claim people has in their mind. You don't go around saying, "I claim you," "I claim you," and uh, because people do want to belong. I've got a, a quote that I say all the time: "In the sea of humanity, belonging is a shore of security, love, and identity." Mm. So belonging gives you security. And in a family, people have to feel like they belong. And the sea of claim is chosen. And from the first child of the first batch, my husband would always say, if God lined up all the kids in the world and asked me to pick one, I'd pick you. Just reaffirming, I, I would choose you. Of course, then you had, we had our second one. We had a girl and a boy. If all the little boys and all, and then the third, with all the three-year-olds, you know, you adapted it. But uh, just reminding your children that you are glad they are part of your family. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are psychology reports and studies. The child that never gets picked on the team in school, that goes with them forever. We all want to be chosen. We all want to be picked. Yeah, that's good. So we, and and we want it to be even too. 
Uh, the L is for loved, and that is unconditional, un non-judgmental. Like, I'm not going to love you because I'm going to love you in spite of. But just like we're not perfect, they're not perfect, and they're going to make childish mistakes, they're going to make uh, bad choices, but they have to know even when they're being corrected or having to live out the consequences, they're still loved. Yeah. When or how did you realize how important the concept of belonging is? I think it's been a whole part of my life. I grew up in a small Mississippi town where, like the Cheers TV show, if anybody remembers that show, everybody knows your name. And that's... That's awesome, except that everybody also knows everything you do. Right. So, and they're going to you... tell your mom. <laughs> yes, absolutely. My Aunt Pat would be the first one to the phone if she ever heard anything. Do you know what your daughter did? But anyway, so, I, the, you know, I could, it, it only had 5,000 people in it, so it was easy to know everybody. And, uh, I mean, when I was a teenager, I would drive into the full-service station, and Clyde would come out and clean my windshield and pump my gas and check the oil. And then I'd, it, when the hood was down and it was all good and I drove off, I'd wave, say thanks, and he'd go put it on my dad's bill. Wow. You know, I mean, that is, that is, the, that is small town. <laughs> I'd go to the Thomas Grade M to buy clothes and and sign the tab and they'd send my mom the bill, you know? I mean, this is small town. But then, after my husband graduated from seminary, we boldly took a church plant job of seven people that wanted to build a church in Central Florida, in Haines City. And, uh, I, you know, I grew up going, hey, I'm, I'm Dia, and they go, oh, I know your granddaddy. He used to, and I know your uncle, and how's your mom and them? And I went to, I went to Central Florida, and I would say, hi, I'm Dia, and they'd go, and who cares? Mm -hmm. so, I mean, there was nothing, and then we didn't even have a big church to connect to. We had seven people that were kind of, I don't know, is this going to work? And... Uh, and I had a not two-year-old and a three-month-old, two-month-old when we moved there. So 13 hours away from anybody and anything I knew or that knew me. And that was when it hit me. Wow. Belonging is not common. Yeah. Everybody wants to belong. I felt that pain of not belonging, not being known, not being chosen, loved, acknowledged, invested in, or, or that I mattered. Right. I, I felt that pain. And I guess from that point on, it, it was sort of, it's sort of a mission of mine to help people know that they're awesome. And uh, I, I, that was part of what motivated me to open my tea room that I had when we lived in North Georgia before we moved here was an opportunity to just love on people and make them feel special and, you know, name a dish in the restaurant after them or 
give them an opportunity to have a to write a card about the tea that there was their favorite and put it in the card file so that next time they could remember or try different ones and make a comment about what they liked and didn't like about it. Just making people know how awesome they are because too many people go through life and no one has said, you know what, you it, it matters that you're alive here and you're special. Nobody else in the whole world is like you. And people need to hear that. Yeah, especially nowadays. Oh my goodness, with the with the lockdowns and the pandemic and everybody freaking out afraid to even talk to each other, there's so much uh, well suicides on the rise, depression is on the rise. People need to be claimed. Right. Yeah, with, you know, with social media, it feels, it's like a false sense of, I have so many connections, um, I have so many friends, but there's really not many of those intimate relationships, you know, where you can just be yourself and not have to put on a, a persona of something else. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, who gets on Facebook or Instagram and posts? the things they did wrong. Yeah. I do that like, occasionally, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at the stupid thing I did today. But you know, I just, you know, but that's not normal. I know I'm not. A normal no, it person. isn't normal. <laughs> no, you're yeah. not normal. You're special. <laughs> so how do we, how do we help our kids feel that way? Um, especially our teenagers. How do we cultivate the, um, Claim atmosphere. I would say that the number one skill that we as parents can develop that would encapsulate it all is the skill of listening Mm. and asking questions. Like, oh, really? Well, tell me more. And what do you think about that? And what else do you have to say about that? Go three levels deep. And when people feel like they're heard, when your kids feel like they're heard, then they, they feel loved. You are choosing to give them time. You're acknowledging they have something to say. You're investing your listening and your time, because, you know, kids spell love, T-I-M-E, and you are saying you matter and what's going on in your life matters to me right there are so many distractions in our life you get a phone call or you get a ding on your phone that somebody posted something or sent you a message or uh you get distracted with being on a book uh, on um on tv or watching something and um, it's so easy to uh, overlook or look busy, even when maybe you're not busy. Just making sure that you are seen as available and uh, are ready to listen. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I hear, you know, it's very popular, being present, being present in the moment. Um, I think that's become more popular because of all of these distractions we have and it's so easy to feel like we're fractured 
right? Just um, just last week, I went through my phone and turned off all the notifications. And it's made me a lot more peaceful. Like, I'm not as stressed out. Like, if somebody really, really needs to get me, they can find me, right? I'll check my stuff at certain times during the day, but I'm not, every little ding is not distracting me. And that is awesome. That's a great advice. It's scary when you, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> but, but it's like, man, I've gotten a lot more done. And I feel like I'm not always like, because there is something about the ding that makes you feel like you have to go pick it up. I know. We're conditioning and training ourselves. It's like Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> you know, ding. Okay, go eat. But uh, that's what we've done. We've trained ourselves to do that. So we can train ourselves not to. Yeah. And that's, that is such an admirable thing that you've done. Well, I mean, remember when we were kids, like, we would leave the house and nobody could find us. I mean, nobody knew what yes. we were doing. Nobody <laughs> knew where we were. They, you know, right. if I forget, if they needed something at the store, well, they're going to have to wait till I come home and they're going to have to tell me that I have to go again, you know? And they're exactly, we're saving more time maybe, but maybe not. Right. Cause right. All of the right. distractions. Exactly. Distractions are a big, big thing. And we, I, I really appreciate you saying being present and being in the moment. And another part about being in the moment is uh, with your children or anybody, don't bring the past into the moment. Mm. Like if your child is telling you all about something they're struggling with, don't be listening to that through the filter of you've messed up before right be in the moment in the present really listening to where they are right now yeah that's good it's it's so easy to remember the past but but we don't want other people to treat us like that right <laughs> right so give them a clean slate right every day yes yes that's hard just said. like easier said we, than done <laughs> yes. Um, just like we are so glad that as far as the East is from the West, God has thrown our uh, sins away and he gives us a clean slate every day. That's what, you know, that's how we're, we show love. Yeah. That's part of the loving. And uh, that uh, just another thing about how to, besides listening to your teens, understand that they are going through this transition of becoming autonomous. You know, they're reaching adulthood. And one, if you've done your homework and started teaching them from when they were two or three, you know, now was that a wise decision? Asking them to stop and think. And they, we had what we called, um, strict freedom the older you got the less strict we were and the more freedom you had and basically because we did our homework don't take this if you haven't when they were 16 we basically said uh for their 16th birthday you are considered an adult in our home you can make all your decisions go where you want do what you want be a responsible member of the family Keep us posted just so we know where you are, but you don't have to ask us permission anymore. Hmm. 
Now, like I said, you got to do your homework first because you can't just turn somebody loose. Right. <laughs> uh, if they're not prepared. So uh, it may be, you know, maybe closing the barn door after the cows are out. Right. But it's <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. We kind of... We we kind of are like that. Like like if they ask, they do ask, can we do this? And we're pretty. What are your thoughts on that, Jenna? Are we? I, pretty... mean, I feel like you guys are pretty lenient. Yeah. Right, because your parents have done their homework. They've done the job. They've prepared you, and the benefit of this is, it's that in between stage where they get to test out their independence in the safety net with the safety net of the home. Right. Yeah. And everybody was, you know, oh, no, when my child goes off to college, what's going to happen? They're going to go wild and crazy. Well, not if they have internalized the morals that you've taught them. Not if they have had an opportunity to go wild and crazy in the home, which they, if you've done your homework, they wouldn't have. I will say that when our second child went out, went to college he went to georgia tech on a presidential scholarship and he said he was going to join a fraternity well that you know it's like oh no he's gonna go wild and crazy well he did not he he joined the one that has competition for the highest grade point average you know and he (laughs) (laughs) ended up being president of the uh, fraternity so uh, I, I should have trusted the fact that he had his own, he had adopted his convictions. Right. Yeah. If we haven't, if they haven't gotten it by the time they graduate, then we're not going to really be able to follow them. I mean, you're not going to follow them around in college and make sure no. they're obeying you. Yeah, because they're making their own they, decisions. Like. Yeah, they have to eventually decide for themselves what they believe and yep. why I mean I think that you know when I was growing up a lot of the parenting was very like you do what I say because I'm the parent mm. and I feel like that caused a lot of problems because they need to know why like why do we do this right it's got to have a reason you know not just because you told me and the reason has to be outside of ourselves. Right. The reason has to be, we had two rules. One, we would never say because I said so. I might have slipped and said it a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> With eight kids. <laughs> um, and the other reason was any, we could not put any demands or any rules or any regulations or any statements out there that wasn't based on what God said. Mm. It couldn't be our opinion. It had to be an outside authority. It's like we wanted to raise what we called obedient rebels. What that means is they obey the truth, but they rebel against anything that pressures them to not obey the truth. Mm. Obedient rebels and one one time you know my husband was a pastor so you know the pastor's family lives in the glass house and everybody decides whether you're spiritual or not by looking at you (laughs) and 
Yeah, and our uh, so one of our sons, uh, when he was uh, seventh or eighth grade, something like that, he came in to his dad and said, Dad, I'm going to grow my hair out. You know, he's not going to have the little cut over the ears and right. everything. And uh, my husband said, I don't care if you grow it to your butt, it's your hair. <laughs> and it was like, oh, man, I was going to rebel. And he won't, doesn't, you know, it's like, didn't give him anything to rebel against. So uh, you, you just have to be careful what you choose to. And then... One of our other sons came to my husband one day and said, I'm not, I'm not sure I, I believe the Bible's true. And he was probably, I think he was maybe uh, early high school. And my husband's response was not, well, you better believe it. It was, well, you know what? If it, let, why don't we study it together and see if it's true? Because if it's not true, I got to go find me a different job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not it's not such an adversarial, like they're allowed the freedom to question. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Another another strategy that I think is missing in today's family is, and I believe you said that you do this, is gathering around the table, eating together, people. Uh, that is where so much community is built. That is where you can affirm your children. That's where they can say things and ask questions and think about uh, challenges in their life or, um, you know, whatever's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we make it a priority, don't we, Jenna? We eat together mm -hmm. a lot. And that is important. Um, that's what my, I did a TED talk, a TEDx talk. There's a difference. I did a TEDx talk on the magic of the meal and uh, reviewed so many major things that happened in history be and came together because of the meal. Yeah. And, and this, the fact that so many Americans are eating in the car, way too many are eating in the car. And unless the whole family's there, that's the only time, you know, you're not eating together. Yeah. Uh, and fast food, the amount of fast food, because people don't take the time. There's so much that goes into not just sitting down at the table, but gathering in the kitchen to prepare the meal. Yeah. There's just something about sitting down and eating with people. Well, it's right. absolutely. The psychology behind it is it builds trust yeah. between the people that are sharing food. Why do you think they have bagels in boardrooms? Well, also, I mean, think about when you're dating somebody. What do most people do when they're dating? They go, go out, out to eat. eat all the time. That's like the main fallback. That's right, right, right. Because right. that's how you learn about somebody and you feel comfortable talking when you're doing something else, right? Like exactly. you're not just staring at each other talking. You're like, uh, you know, you can fool around with your bread if you're <laughs> if it feels awkward, <laughs> yes. right? <laughs> right, right. Well, you also learn so much about a person and their training. Like, do they have good table manners? Do they say, hey, what, let's pray, let's bless the food before we eat? Or How do they uh, treat the waitress? How do they, yes, yeah. yes. And uh, how do they tip? Are they yeah. generous? There's yeah. so much you can learn. 
do they only want vegan food? You know, know that right up front. Yeah. I mean, that's you fine. Order a steak for them. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's <laughs> fine. You just have to know what you're getting into, right? Exactly. It, <laughs> you can. Yes. Gonna cook right. a vegan meal and a non-vegan meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't show right. up at their house with, "Hey, I just ordered half a cow." Yeah, yeah. right. Hey, somebody gave me a cow and I brought some over to put in your freezer. Yay! Not gonna happen. So <laughs> anyway. Okay, so we've talked about. Um, let me think here. We've talked about a lot. We've talked about many things. We're building community in the home. Right. And one, and we've talked about listening to your children. We've talked about being present in the moment. We do we've a talked lot. We do about a lot of gathering. We do a lot of. Um, I go into their bedrooms late at night and just crawl on their bed and talk to them. Does that bother you, Jenna? Um, you don't do that often. But sometimes when you fall asleep on my bed, I'll be like. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mom. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yes. That's great. I like to, like, just go in there and say, hey, how's it going? Because maybe they'll talk to me about stuff they wouldn't talk about to everyone at the table. Correct. Right. Correct. Uh, Right. And and that brings up another good point, especially uh, if you have more than one child. (laughs) You should have a date time, a special time. Um, my son that has, it's so fun. He's uh, got three little people. And he, two girls, and then now he's got a boy. But he takes each of his daughters out once a week or once, one of them once a week, out for breakfast. And just has daddy-daughter time with them. And they're, now they're four and six. And he's been doing this since they could go out to eat. And um, it's it's really special to have that one-on-one time. That's another time you're investing your time and you're letting your child know they matter. You're acknowledging that they exist. And I'm jumbling up my words, uh, letters. You're loving them and choosing to spend that time with them. Yeah. So let's talk about, we haven't really touched on the made-for-greatness part. So how do we help them realize, you know, that they have such potential and, you know, a lot of times, especially middle school, high school, they are so, uh, they compare themselves to everyone else and they come up wanting, (laughs) I guess is the way. Yes. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Made for greatness does not mean that everybody's supposed to end up on the cover of a magazine. What it means is each person was created to be a specific puzzle piece that fits into a jigsaw puzzle. So you can't be exactly like somebody else because they're in their place in the puzzle. You have to fit your, they have to fit, you know, into their place in the puzzle. So being made for greatness means, uh, they were created in Christ Jesus for good works that they could walk in them. And those were prepared before they even got here. So there is a reason your each child is on this earth. Mm. I believe they are created for whatever their purpose is. 
So it's not a comparison. You don't have to worry that somebody else is achieving a whole bunch. They're only working on their, their place in the world. You have a specific place in the world and it's based on the gifts and talents and passion that you have. So helping your child look for what it is that really drives them and know that they each are special in their own right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, you, you're not trying to relive your childhood. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> and get them, you know, oh, I, I love sports, so you should love sports too, right? You're not or, trying to live vicariously through them. Right. You're not trying to live vicariously through them. Absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, because your job was your job yeah. and your children have different gifts. No two people are the same. So no two people can be compared and never, ever, ever judge your insides to someone else's outsides. Yeah. Never judge your insides against someone else's outsides. You don't know what's going on inside. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do if if it really they're really struggling because they feel like they don't have anything they're good at? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that that would be a challenge. Well, what do they like to do? Yeah, I would say. I just, would say just explore. Yeah, experience. No, you don't have to have. I mean. There are people that are 50 and 60 that finally find what they're about. Yeah. So you just explore That's and encourage your children to explore what they have an interest in. Maybe they think they want to be an artist. Well, let's see how you develop in that. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you just, just try all kinds of things. And feel, don't feel like you picking one thing means you have to do it the rest of your life. You know, maybe you just do it one season and then move on to something else. And let them have the freedom to do that. You know, I see sometimes parents are like, my son's been playing this sport since he was little and he's a senior now and he really wants to quit. But I don't think he should because he's invested so much time in it. Well, maybe he's realized that's not his thing. <laughs> You, know? you are so right. That is so right. Maybe it's not what he was meant to do for the rest of his life. Right. If you don't have passion for it anymore, then that's a sign that it's probably time to move on, I would guess. Absolutely. You. <laughs> why? put? It's like putting locking yourself in jail. Yeah. And it's also, here's the thing, also, you only have X amount of time and energy. If you are using your time and energy on what you don't want to do, then you're not having it left over to do what you do want to do and what you're meant to do. Right. Yeah, that's good. The the thing you said earlier about, you know, some adults don't find what they want to do. You know, it took me, how old am I? It took me 40 years to figure out what I wanted to do. So how can I expect you to know at 17, 18, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, my son that went to Georgia Tech uh, majored in industrial engineering. Well, he has now spent multiple years uh, working for uh, in in Croatia in 
well, he went to Croatia and then in Bosnia, he's become an uh, author of a book and now he's uh, in charge of missionaries all over Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with industrial engineering. Yeah, it's, it's what do you call it? Uh, sunk cost. Like, it's kind of like when opportunity you, cost. Yeah, opportunity cost. It's kind of like when you buy something. I struggle with this because we've just we just did an episode on organization and decluttering. So Jenna knows I struggle with this. You buy something and you spent the money on it, so you feel like you can't let it go. I spent good money on this thing, even though it's not bringing you joy. You're not using it. Someone else could use it. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Dust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say, I learned from this experience. You know, I learned from, you know, he learned something in college. He had all of these lessons that he was learning. They might necessarily have been what led him to the job he thought he was going to get. But that doesn't right. mean. It didn't have him grow as a person. Right. That doesn't Absolutely. Mean... Nothing, nothing is wasted. And what, what is so comforting is there's, we, we're not in charge of the whole world, Right. We yeah. know that. Yeah. And so we can't mess up the whole world. That even when we go the, we try the wrong route or end up at a dead end, that whole trip is put together in the tapestry of what we're ending up right. doing. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you mess up, it doesn't mean, I mean, I mean, I think of all the things I've messed up, and it, and it, and I'm glad for most of them because it made me who I am. Exactly. Right. And uh, it, this, it's the scars that are the strongest part of us. Right. You know, when when you have a, a, a cut and it heals, and you have a scar, that's a stronger part of your skin. Yeah. So, so I have a question about your claim. So, so as your kids were growing up, were you intentionally doing all of these parts? Or was it like after they had grown and you realized, oh, this is what we were doing and it turned out pretty good? <laughs> uh, the second, yeah, I, I was just, I mean, it's by the grace of God that my kids are all adults and doing great I really want to I don't want to take the credit but I look back and I was living out building community and how you could put it together was I could see that that's what we were doing because people don't just want to belong they want to be claimed People don't just want to be connected, they want to be claimed. And when I look at that concept, I realize, oh yeah, that's what we did. So what do you do if you're in, say you're, you live somewhere, you don't have a lot of friends, you're struggling with connecting community, belonging anywhere. Like say, okay, say you have a teenager who um, starts at a new school, doesn't know anybody, and they're really struggling with that. How do you, uh, uh, you can help them feel that at home, but how, how do we help them feel that when they're out in the world? Mm. Or how do we help them become a part of 
community? I would encourage them to find one person they can give to. Because in the giving and being generous, because everybody wants to belong. Yeah. If you are reaching out to someone else, there's someone else there that wants to belong to. Yeah. And as you reach out and give, it it makes you feel better. And there's all this chemical releases in your brain for doing something for someone else. Yeah. That would be that would be the first step. And finding people with common interest. Yeah. What would you do differently if you were to go back and have a do-over? Ooh. Ah. One of the one of the actions I would take more is what I talked about, listening and finding out exactly where my kids were at each point and being more present. I think it got to be a big collage of kids. We did things, we did activities together. We did have common goals that the whole family was involved in. But with so many, I think I overlooked individuals sometimes. So I would spend more time individually. Yeah. I think that would be the biggest. What do you do? Cause you're, you, <clears throat> you have a, um, the experience of you're ahead of us in the game. <laughs> um, yes. So, so, you know, it gets to the point where like kids quit coming on vacations with you and it's sad. Like, <laughs> like, do you guys get together as a whole family still? Do you know that they have lived on six continents? So getting together was pretty challenging. Now, I have let everyone know for a year now that in June of 2024, everyone is required to gather... Even if it's during a week and some come at one part of the week and some come at another to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. And I, uh, but other than that, and when COVID happened, our son moved home from Bosnia with his five children. That was the first time in 20 years all of my children were in the United States. Mm. So... At Christmas, we had all but six of them, (laughs) and only for about four hours because our daughter had to fly back to Pennsylvania, and our son with his family of five was driving in from out of town on this one afternoon after Christmas. And we were all at one place, except for the son that was in charge of the worship for the Christmas conference in um, Indiana. So he couldn't come because they couldn't come and then be gone again already. So it's it, 
and I had to learn. You know what? They have lives. Yeah, it's the season. You're you're done it, with the season where everybody's there. Yes, that very makes me sad. <laughs> it, I know it is sad. Now, one year when co one year when Zoom was getting to be big, everybody gathered on Zoom. Well, not everybody. Everybody couldn't be there. But I think I got uh, six out of eight. Mm. on a Zoom call uh, for my birthday. So, yay. And But it, it's, it's really challenging. Yeah. So at what point did you realize, this is, I have something here that I can teach people um, these, these steps, you know, claiming. I, well, I, I guess I'm like one of those adults that made it through. I've reinvented myself just about every de every decade. <laughs> and uh, at what point did I decide this is what I wanted to talk about? Was I'm you know I've lived a long time. I'm really old, so I should give back now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this journey I've been on through life could benefit someone else. And as I look over my life, what I have, a common thread is that community matters, belonging matters. Ever since that devastating separation when nobody said, hi's your mom and them in Central <laughs> Florida. <laughs> I Oh, and for anyone listening that doesn't know what I mean when I say, hi's your mom and them, I'm saying... How is your mother and all your relatives that I haven't seen in a while, and how are they doing? And tell them I said hello. <laughs> That's a southern term for you. Know that is a southern way to say all of that. You just say, how's your mom and them? <laughs> so anyway, um, as I look at where I am now and what I have been through, still figuring out what it is I'm supposed to bring to the world, I realized people need to belong and want to belong. How can I encourage people? And how have I done it? And it it came to me this that claim is a word that means you are saying I want to, you to be part of my life, but it also stands for five facets of building community. Mm. So your kids, your older kids, do you ever have conversations with them about this, the claim? The com uh, that is a good question. Uh, I do talk to them about it, about, and I ask them questions. Well, do you think this, and do you think that, and did we this, and did, because, uh, you know, we have, <laughs> we parents have our perspective of how life went. Right. And our children likely have a different perspective. Uh, for instance, I found out much later that my son, I had picked up this coffee mug that was all creative and cute and everything. And I, he was in the kitchen when I picked it up. And I said, you know what? This reminds me of you. And I'm thinking... And I might have even said, it's so creative, it's so uh, awesome and unique. 
Do you know what he heard for years and years and years, and it wasn't until he was in adulthood that he told me he thought I was saying that mug reminded of, of him because it was squatty and fat. Oh, no. And I'm like, what? No, that's not what I was saying. So definitely having conversations with your children will enlighten you on their perspective of things. <laughs> I recommend that. That's another listening opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes what we say is not what they hear. Totally. Which um, is why you can ask, you know, so what did you hear me say? Or when you're responding to them, say, what I, am I hearing, is this what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Do you find that this uh, way of doing your parenting ch- changed like like you didn't necessarily have all the pieces of the parts to the first batch of kids and then the last batch of kids, um, or the single, <laughs> the single one. Yes. She got the benefit of, oh, mom's learned all of this from all the other kids. Listen, she grew up and only, my last child grew up an only child with seven siblings. Because there was eight years difference between her and her brother. And then by the time she got old enough to really realize, well, she had two of her brothers were still at home and she never liked, they never let me do anything. They're mean to me and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) She was a little kid sister. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, off to college and she's alone and alone a lot and didn't you know she um i I, here's another thing i'm i don't know how i could do this differently going back to the question what would i do differently when i had the tea room in georgia um one reason i opened it was for my kids to have somewhere to earn some money Mm -hmm. well (laughs) The uh, the older son that of the two that were s- still at home um, was a football player, actually played football for Wake Forest, but he wasn't very much help because somebody would order the quiche and I'd turn around and he'd eaten it all. So <laughs> <laughs> that is not how you're supposed to help here. But uh, <clears throat> The youngest daughter, you know, so they're gone, and I still have the tea room, and the youngest daughter is at the restaurant. She's waiting tables and everything, but I think she, I I made some adjustments and had a friend that she could uh, spend creative days with that was sort of a mother's helper person. Um, But I think uh, I didn't see how she wasn't as connected to the family. I I might do that. But, you know, hey, she will tell you to this day how how great things are. She's learned so much. And it's, it's, you know, we're going to mess up. Yeah. But but the our messing up gives our children opportunities to grow and they become better people because we all have we can't we can't be better if we don't grow. And that number number eight um, just got home from a two week trip in Turkey. Mm. She she went with a group and to a prayer conference. She's graduated and working in Pennsylvania at a film production company. Her dream job. 
So, uh, so Jenna, when I mess up, I can, I'm helping you grow and build stronger. <laughs> yes. I'm making you stronger. And nothing will come into Jenna's life that God didn't intend for her growth. Even mom. Even mom. Even mom. So is yeah. there anything else you want to add? I think I've probably talked everybody's ear off if anybody's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, we, we, we have a similar issue at our house. I, I call my oldest um, our experimental model. That's what I call oh, it. Oh, yes. Pig. Yes. You know, he just had his 25th birthday yesterday, and I, I sent him a message, and I said, I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> that you had to grow up with your crazy parents, you know, because we tried everything out on him. Oh, right. <laughs> well, of course, I knew exactly how to do it because I'd read all the books, and I was going to be the perfect parent and do it right and follow all the rules, and yeah. And then somewhere along the line, you kind of get tired, and then, I don't know. Yeah, we say uh, that a lot, don't we, Jenna? What, that you guys just are just tired? tired. Like they, we don't like, care, just, I'm tired. They'll be like, why are you letting the youngest get away with that? We're tired. We're tired. Well, we have a new perspective, and we are approaching it from a different angle. Or, or like when the, when yeah, why do you let Malia have a cell phone? Well, because she's the youngest. Well, I didn't have a cell Well, they didn't have cell phones when you were her age, one. <laughs> and two, you had your brothers, and she's all alone. And, uh, yeah. So, anywho. And I think we do get more wisdom the the, the longer well, yeah. we parent. Or like maybe maybe we were too hard on that with the older ones, you know? Right. Well, uh, you realize uh, that you should major. Uh, f- wait, forget the little things, and everything's a little thing. Yeah. Except when it's not. Except <laughs> when it's not, and then there's that. <laughs> But don't, yes, uh, you're able to be a little more, have a better perspective yourself. Yeah. So where can people find you? They can, I made it as simple as possible. They can go to my website, which is diaerby.com. That's D as in David, E as in egg, A as in, I don't know, what do you say, apple? apple. And I as in igloo, R as in Robert, B as in boy, and y as in yo-yo.com and you can find all kinds of things there i have some uh claim written out in ebooks that you can download that are about claim in the home and claim in the church and claim in the workplace and uh yeah i would love for that you also have some books right I do. I have some books on Amazon. Uh, there's also a link on my website that you can click on that'll take you there. But you can look for my name on Amazon and find I've got two, the first two of a series of five on parenting guides, really short little books. One, Molding Global Citizens, which is about answers when people say, why have your children lived all over the world? Then I say, I, that's what it happened. Oh, let's look back and see. How did that happen? And then uh, nurturing visionary dreamers. And again, why are your kids doing, you know, best-selling authors and uh, running a nonprofit global organization and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, wait, looking back, 
yeah, that's what we did. See, the hindsight's really beneficial. And then I have a, two devotional journals. One is for young mothers called An Ox in Your Kitchen. <laughs> because, I, it, you know, it's I, I love the cover of that. It's two little boys playing with flour all over them, playing, making dough or something. And uh, what's more important, to have a clean house uh, or an ox in your kitchen? And the other one is a devotional journal like Dew on the Grass. It's for any woman seeking God. And, the, and, and each day has a verse and a little story about what God taught me and then questions and pages for you to write your comments and go back and see if a year later you have a different perspective on things. And those are all on Amazon. And my cookbook, which you have to get directly from me because I want to sign it for you. <laughs> All right. Well, lots of different resources for people. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. It has been phenomenal. Best Saturday day to spend my time. Oh, thanks. Just a reminder, if you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Have a great week. <laughs>